for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm really excited. We begin a brand new series today called What Matters Most. And here at our church, if you're new, the mission of our church, we exist for three things. We want to see people reached with courage. We are going to go to places and reach people and do things to reach people who don't know who Jesus Christ is. We want to see them restored with love. We want the love of Jesus to impact their world and their lives, and we want to see them released with faith. We want them to walk in who Jesus has created them to be. And a lot of us have experienced that. And now that we've experienced it, we need to hold the door open for someone else. And so for the next month, we're going to talk about the heart of God and what matters most in his love for people, his love for lost people. And we're going to talk about missions and what we can do as a church to send people, to pray about going, and then to equip and to be a part of what people are doing even when we can't go. God has laid it on the hearts of other people to go. And so to start off this month, I invited a great friend of mine to come and speak to us about the heart of God. He's going to share a little bit more about what he does as a U.S. missionary. Can you put your hands together and make some noise for my great friend, Brad Keller, this morning? Is that it? There it is. Man, it is good to see you. Good to be with you today. What an honor it is to be here in God's house and worship team. Woo! Let's go. Come on this morning. That's what I'm talking about. There is nothing like being in God's house. I don't know about you, but I during these moments and this time, there's nothing like fellowshipping. There's nothing like worshiping together in God's house to lifting up hands, to raising our voices, just hearing the voices of the saints worshiping the Lord today. Man, what what a joy it is to be in God's house today here in Grandview, Missouri. And what an honor to be uh, a part of this missions uh, month here. What matters most? And I want to introduce you to my family. They're not traveling with me today. But uh, we're going to show a picture of them up there. There it is. And this is one of the latest pictures. My daughter, as you can tell, she just graduated high school. And uh, then at the very far end is my daughter Ashley, my son Michael. And then in the middle is my daughter Joy, who just graduated. Then my wife, and then my wife Carrie, and myself. And my wife is raising four children, so you need to pray for her. Please. Now, why do I show you that picture? And then our prayer card, which is out on the table, which I'd love for you to be able to grab today, not because I'm vain, but I want you to be praying for us as missionaries because we know that we can't do it in and of ourselves. We only do it within the power of the Holy Spirit and God working through us. So if you'd grab one of these, and I show you that recent picture because you'll notice my son has had a little growth spurt. So uh, he would not want you to just see this picture. He'd want you to see that picture behind me. Uh, But we have been U.S. missionaries going on 17 years, and how do I know that is because my daughter Ashley is 17 years old, and she was born when we first started this as missionaries, and it is an honor to serve in this capacity, 
And I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but right now I want to tell you a little about myself. I grew up in a small church in a small town, and I want to share with you my testimony. My testimony is this simple. When I was three years old, I was sitting in Grandma Dunbar's class. She was not my grandma, but everybody just called her grandma. And I was sitting in Grandma Dunbar's class, and Grandma Dunbar, for some reason, decided to put snacks in front of this three-year-old before she started the lesson. Now, in front of me was a piece of bologna and half a banana. And for a little three-year-old boy who was very hungry, I focused that, my focus was right there. I was ready for her to say, you can eat. But out, out of that fog of the food, Grandma Dunbar began to preach, or she began to teach about how Jesus died on a cross for me, for my sins, for the things that I had done wrong. And then on the third day rose again so that I could have eternal life with him. And in my three-year-old mind, it clicked. And I understood that I needed Jesus. And in that moment, I accepted Christ into my life. That's my story. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of stuff in between three and 50. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened since then. But that's my simple story today of how I came to know Jesus. And we've all got a story to tell. We all have a moment when we understood and when we realized that we needed Jesus. Listen, you may have already understand, understood this, but I'm a passionate person. I have passions in my life. And my first and foremost passion is this, to see everybody come to know Jesus. And i got a second passion. My second passion is that everybody else have the same passion that I do. You see, today I want to impart that. I want to share that. I want to instill it. I want to instigate. Oh, watch out. Here we go. I want to be a fire starter. I want to light some fire into some people today so that you will have a heart for the lost. You will have a heart not just for your neighbor, not just for the person next door, not for the person you work with, but for people all around the world today. We want and we need that kind of heart, a missions heart, because it is the heart of God to reach the lost. Now, what do I do as a missionary for 17 years? Well, I've worked with students for over 25 years. Student ministry is my passion, it is my heart, and it is this, to see students serve and share about Jesus and to see people find Jesus. Youth Alive, what I do is about empowering students so that they will reach their friends. You see, our mission field is really huge. The public school campus, did you know this? One in six people in the state of Missouri either go to, meaning their students, or employed by their teachers, staff, administrators, the public school campus. One in six people. And that doesn't include moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. And so with that is exponential growth right here on the public school campus. Why the public school campus? Because this, over 90% of the people on the public school campus don't know Jesus. They are lost. And if you're a student or a parent and you have any association with the public school, you're like, well, thanks for telling me the, the truth. Like I didn't already know that. Yes, that's obvious. If you've been on the public school campus, you know that, you understand that. And how do we reach the public school? First and foremost, we do this through prayer. 
That's the foundation of where we need to be, one, as followers of Christ, but two, if we're going to have the heart of God, we have to ask for the heart of God. God, give me a burden for the lost. Give me a burden for my public school campus. Now, many of you may be here today, you don't have any association with the public school, but you can pray. You can ask God to intervene. You can ask God to, to help those students on the public school campus that are followers of Christ, that are Christians, maybe that even go to this church. You can lift them up. You can say, Lord, prepare their hearts today as they set foot on that public school campus that they would stand firm in their faith, that not only would they stand firm, but they would express that faith. They would speak about that faith to their friends. We pray for students. We pray for Christian teachers. We pray, Lord, use them in the moments. Lord, they may not be able to talk about God, but they can sure live a life according to the scriptures. God, we pray for them, and we pray for school administrators. We desire, Lord, that you would use them. I don't even want to be a school administrator right now. So many decisions that they have to be making during these moments. This pandemic has been challenging, I know. I have friends that are school administrators, and they say it's on the daily that they have to make different kinds of decisions. They didn't think they would ever be making when they started way back when. But we need to pray not only for our students, school administrators, but we need to pray for our families. Because we know virtual school, hybrid school, whatever school looks like right now is challenging for our families today. And we want to pray for them too. We ask God to use moms and dads to, to help brothers and sisters in the midst of a pandemic where they're trying to sit in front of a computer and learn. And, and some of you know that's challenging in this house today. So we need to be in prayer for our schools. The next thing is this. I can't go on a public school campus and share about Jesus. They'll kick me out pretty quick. But a student is able to share about Jesus very openly. They can write papers. They can have speeches. They can openly share their faith in every situation. So as long as they're respectful, we need to pray for those students, and we need to send those students out to be missionaries to their public school campus. And one of the greatest ways that we empower them is through this. Many of you may have heard of the Fire Bible. Well, this is the Fire Bible Student Edition. And this not only gives students the word, but it gives them the notes to help them learn and study the word. But then there's also tools and resources in there to help them share their faith on the public school campus. And we want to empower students with the Fire Bible. So we give resources, we pray, and we do ministry on the public school campus, meaning campus clubs, Bible clubs. We want to help students do that as well. And then we do outreach events with which is school assemblies, which Pastor Kevin has been a part of. So we're so grateful and thankful for what God has done. We've just in the past uh, year and a half, we have had the opportunity to be in, in front of over 20,000 students through our ministry. So it's powerful what God is doing. And I'm telling you, we need prayer. So I really encourage you. If you are here today, please get one of our prayer cards. It has all of our contact information, and our Facebook is on there. You say, well, I don't, I don't, well, my mother is 85 years old, and she's on Facebook. Trust me, anytime I post something on Facebook, oh, within two minutes, like, you know what I'm saying? So I know if my 85-year-old mom's on Facebook, most of us in this place are on Facebook or 
Instagram for you younger kids. I want you to take that and, and connect with us. And I want to share with you a story. It wouldn't be good if I didn't share a mission story. There's a young man named James. He was in seventh grade, 12 years old, you know, hadn't hit puberty yet, still kind of scrawny. I'm just being honest. But he catches a burden for his friends, for his lost friends. And he, he's bold enough to go to his principal and he says, hey, can I start a club? He asks the right questions. He does the right things. And he starts having a club meeting uh, on his public school campus. He gets the room. He talks to the teacher. And all of a sudden, the teacher says, you can't meet here anymore. And he's like, why? Well, this room is only rated for, for 20 people. You have 25. You've got to go meet somewhere else. So the next week, the next Tuesday morning at 7.30 in the morning, James gets the gym. They have 60 kids in that gym. And they just hand out suckers, you know, lollipops, whatever. They get the kids to come. And James, a 12-year-old boy, shares a simple gospel message. And six kids raise their hands to know Jesus at a public school campus at 7.30 in the morning. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. And let me tell you something, all you older folks in the building, which is a lot of us, if a seventh grader can do it, mm, why can't you? Why can't you? I know, I know, I know. I believe in empowering students. I believe that God can, God will, and God wants to use this generation to see radical change in their friends, in their schools, in their communities, and in their world. You see, in this place today, there are difference makers in Grandview and the surrounding area. I know this because I serve a difference-making God today who changes hearts, who changes lives, and God wants to use you. Yes, I'm talking to you. He wants to use you to be the change. In the lives of your family, in the lives of your neighbors, in the lives of your friends, in the lives of your community, at your workplace, and in your worlds. God wants to use you. About a year and a half ago, God impressed upon my heart. He gave me a little bit of a vision. And I'm one of those guys I like to sleep in the dark. I, don't, I, have, I have this thing called a modem in my room. And I put black tape on it. So I like to sleep in the dark. I have blackout shades with something over it so that it really blacks out. It's, it's dark in my room when I sleep. And, you know, sometimes when you have teenagers, they forget <laughs> that their dad likes to go to bed before midnight. <laughs> and, you know, midnight, poof, the door opens wide, you know, and bright light is shining in and into a dark room. You know what I'm talking about? And so here we are, and God puts this on my heart, and he says, Brad, that's, that's like how it is right now. You have an opportunity to open the door, to shine the light into a dark world. And this is our moment, church. This is our time. If there is ever an opportunity to shine the light of hope, it is Jesus. If there's ever an opportunity to shine the light of the one, the life, and his name is Jesus, it is the time, it is now for the church to rise up, to be the beacon of hope in our communities, in our world, and make a difference, make an impact to those that are around us. God wants to use you. I want to remove excuses in the lives of students. 
I want to remove excuses in the lives of their parents. I want to remove excuses. Well, I can't do it because, well, we give students a Bible that helps them know the word, read the word, and share the word. There is no more powerful tool than God's word for a student to speak out of their mouths. Why? Because God's word does not return void. When we read it and when we share it, then things begin to change. I want us to have Jesus-centered conversations, conversations that are centered around the things of the Bible, things of the Scripture, things about Jesus. That's my heart. That is my passion today. I want to say, obviously, thanks to Pastor Kevin and uh, for allowing me to be here, and Mel, and obviously Lex and Jordan. Uh, got to hang out with them somewhat last night and eat at Hawaiian Bros. Mm, come on, people. Come on. Pastor Alex, love that man. You guys are blessed with an incredible staff here, incredible worship team. Man, what a blessing to be in this house today. I want to challenge you with this word today. Won't you be my neighbor? Now, I already said I'm 50, slightly north of 50. And I'm still working with students, but I grew up, I'm a child of the 70s. And won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? I grew up with Mr. Rogers, God rest his soul. I love me some Fred. And so when I started to pray about this, it just immediately came up. I was like, won't you be my neighbor? As we look into today's text, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. You're going to be like, oh, I see where he's going today. Let's look into the scripture in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25 and the following. I'm going to read a chunk of the scripture today. It is from the message. Uh, I love the, the, how the message breaks this down today. It's, it gives us uh, a little bit different view, and so I want to read it to you this morning. I believe it will be up here in the Sky Bible, or if you have a Glow Bible this morning, we'll open it up. Whatever it is today, if you have one of these, which is always good, you know what I'm saying, it's good if you got one of these, go ahead and open it up, glow it up, look on the Sky Bible, we're good today. So here we go. Luke 10. Starting at verse 25, just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Mm. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it, he said, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, and muscle, and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor, there it is, you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you will live. Looking for a loophole. Come on now, you know we're always looking for a loophole. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling them a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and he went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. When a Levite, a religious man, showed up, he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan, traveling the road, came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting 
and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded. And Jesus said, go. Go and do the same. Heavenly Father, today, God, may your word change us today. May it change our hearts. May it change our minds. God, may it envelop us today and make us more like you. May it inspire us. May it empower us. And may it embolden us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Matthew 22, 34 through 40 is a very similar story. And Jesus is asked a question, which... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus gave the same answer as this lawyer in Scripture. He said, love God, love your neighbor. Then he states that all law, everything, all law hangs on these two commandments. It means this, that a love for God and a love for our neighbor is the foundation of all moral responsibility. A man who loves God. With all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength will never, ever take God's name in vain. He will never place anything above God and his affections. He will remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. And then the second part is this. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't lie to them. You won't steal their possessions. You won't cheat them in business. Oh, you know where I'm going. You heard the Ten Commandments now. You won't violate their marriage when you love your neighbor as yourself. You will never, and let me say that again, you will never do anything to intentionally hurt them. Never. Do anything to intentionally hurt them. And I understand this. I've been around for a few years. Our society today would tell us something different. Look out for yourself. Take care of yourself. It's all about me. It's not about others. We tend to live with an attitude of extreme privacy today. Living like we're on a remote island. <laughs> and that's so easy to do. You know what I'm saying? Right here? When I was a child, we actually had to have conversations. We played this ABC game when we'd ride in cars. You know, A, look, there's an apple tree. B, there's Burger King. You know what I'm saying? We, had, we used to have to converse with one another. Now, we get in the car and it's like, Whoa. we get around people. <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy. How much this draws our attention, talking about living on a remote island, it's a little tiny island that we live on and we live with because we're so focused right here that we forget all about the world around us. My kids will text people they are sitting right across from. What? 
Are you talking? My son. I'm in the living room. He's in his bedroom. He will text me a question. I'm like, son, I'm out here. Come and ask me. That's on the daily. I'm like, son, I'm right here. You don't need to text me. We live so far apart from each other. We live so separated from each other that we, it's just incredible today. Our society increasingly asks, acts as if we owe each other nothing. We owe our neighbors nothing. We only think of our own selves, ignoring the needs of others. God help us. God help me. Every day that my head would be up, my eyes would be open, and my heart would be ready to see what God has. Not what I want, not what I need, but see what God has for me. If I were to ask you today, you were in this place, you'd say, how are you supposed to love your neighbor? Well, if you've been to church any time at all, you already know the, well, you love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, I know that. That's the Bible, yes. Yes, I know you know that. But what does it mean? Loving your neighbor as yourself. I love to simplify. I'm a simple guy. I like to keep it simple. Loving your neighbor means that you do for them whatever you would do for yourself. Say that one more time because that's big. Loving your neighbor means that whatever you would do for yourself, you would do for them. When you have a need, <laughs> you attempt to meet it. I'll give you a little example. My son, 15, he's going through a growth spurt right now. And he will go to the refrigerator full of food. Full. I mean... My wife, she's a great cook, so we always have leftovers. We always have stuff to eat in the fridge. My son goes and he opens the fridge. Mom, I'm hungry. There's nothing to eat. <laughs> what? The refrigerator's full, son. You see, there's leftover chicken. Right? There's all kinds of things in this refrigerator. And there, you say there's nothing to eat. Nope. And he's looking. He's pulling out drawer. You know, there, Mom, there's nothing to eat in here. I'm like, oh, boy. But you know how it is. When you're hungry, where do you go? You go to the fridge. You go up and get some snacks. When you have a need, you attempt to meet it right away. Oh. And when you have a hurt, what do you do? You go right there to the medicine cabinet, to the drawer, and you get that Barbie Band-Aid and you put it on that boo-boo. Right away, it's happening. You know if you've got a boo-boo, you're going to get that Band-Aid. Oh, and the triple antibiotic ointment, which is so necessary. You've got to put that on there and make it right. You know, it's good. When you have a hurt, it's time to meet it. When you have responsibility. Oh, this one's a little more challenging for some of us. When you have a responsibility, you attempt to fulfill it. Oh, and here's a big one. When you have a prayer request... I don't know if you're on Facebook or not, <laughs> but man, it's all over Facebook. Oh, you got to pray right now, Lord. I got a hangnail on my big toe. Oh, help me. Somebody pray. I need healing. I need a touch. When we have a prayer need, oh boy, everybody's got to know, right? So when it's time to pray, we want people to be praying. 
And in the, here we are in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We don't have to be taught to love ourselves. It comes naturally. We are experts at it. Here, listen to this carefully. The trick is this, to keep self-love from becoming selfish. To keep self-love from becoming selfish. We need to be constantly reminded that as we love ourselves, we are to love others. As we love ourselves, we are to love others. This is one of the, of, of one of the most familiar parables of the scripture. The parable of the good Samaritan. We may have heard it in one form or the other over the years as we've come into church. or We've grown up in church. We've heard about the good Samaritan. And the first thing is this that we can learn today. Your neighbor is anyone, big bold letters, underline it if you're writing down because note takers are history makers, right now today, anyone, big bold letters, underline it, anyone, what does it say, who needs help, anyone, that is our neighbor. This story, this parable that Jesus is relaying to us in this moment for our lives, for the truth that we need to take in this morning, this parable begins with a traveling man. A lot of things in a story that we would want to be there are not there. We're not given his name. We don't know if he's a rich man, poor man, blue collar, white collar. We don't know these things about him. We know he's a traveling man. As far as you and I know, he could be a thief who fell among thieves. The one thing that we know about him is that life has dealt him a bad hand in this moment. He is in a bad place. He is in hurting. He is in pain. He is alone. He is in need. Now this morning, as we look into our own lives, do we find ourselves judging the worth of a person? Do we find ourselves looking at someone and deciding whether we're going to help them because of who they are? Do you only feel comfortable helping those who are just like you? Is it the color of their skin, the length of their hair, the style of their clothing, the way that they smell, their age, the way that they dress? before you decide whether who you will love. I think that's a question we need to all pause and just a moment ask ourselves, do I really love my neighbor or do they have to be just like me before I will love them? Again, what, does this, what is it opening up to us that anyone who is in need is our neighbor? Anyone who needs help. And the second thing this morning is this, loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor requires affection. It requ requires emotion. It requires feeling. Now, you have to apologize for me, but I imagine the priest walking along and, and for some reason, and I'm not, I'm not sure why, but I imagine him with an English accent. Ugh. I don't know why, but I imagine, oh, oh this, this man is unclean. 
I must stay away from him. <laughs> I don't know why I imagine that in my brain, but just go with it. And so I, I can see that moment. There's that look of disgust on his face. You can just sense it. He's disgusted by this man. And he walks, maybe doesn't even get very close to him, social distancing, of course, and he walks on. He's gone. He's out. He's like, I've got nothing to do with this guy. I'm out of here. Then the Levite comes along, the religious man, and I see him kind of, hmm, yeah, hmm. That guy kind of, I think, I think he's got a boo-boo. Hmm. And maybe you see him get a little bit closer, and he's kind of doing one of these, hmm, stretching. Hmm, I don't, hmm, I think I, no, I'm just going to leave him alone. And he walks on. He's gone. Now, do we know about the Good Samaritan? Many of you understand and know this, that the Good Samaritan was not good. When Jesus spoke the word Samaritan, when Jesus said the word Samaritan, the people who were right around him, we're going to contextualize this story in this moment, the people who were right there, they all cringed and went, ooh, Samaritan? This guy's the villain of the story. That's what they were thinking. All of these people who were around, they immediately, when they heard the word Samaritan, they thought villain. They thought disgust. They thought, oh, this, he's never going to do anything good. Jewish people and Samaritan people did not mix. They didn't cross paths. They really distanced from each other. They had nothing to do with each other at all. There was a disgust. There was a hate they did not want anything to do with each other. But Jesus takes what everybody else said was the villain, and he made him the good guy. In that moment, the Samaritan walked up on this man, and in the story, we know that his heart was touched. You see, the difference in these three men, that one had his Feelings touched. He was moved with emotion, and he responded to those feelings. Listen, I don't know about you, but you can probably tell I'm an emotional person. God made us emotional people. And you know it. I, sometimes I watch those ASPCA commercials. I love animals. And you're like, you get that little heart tuck. Oh, that's so cute. This man, in that moment, had more than just a little tug. He was overwhelmed with emotion. He was overwhelmed with compassion. And I know right now you're saying to yourself, what if they take advantage of me? What if they take advantage of my kindness? What if I give them and they don't say thank you? What if I do and they turn and walk away? What if they don't appreciate me? What if they, what if they, what if they look upon me with, eh? I want you to think about this parable again. There is no mention anywhere of the victim's response to the kindness, to the compassion, to the heart of this good Samaritan. Why? Because loving your neighbor, listen to this, 
Write it down, underline it, highlight. Loving your neighbor is not contingent. It doesn't hang on appreciation. Loving your neighbor is a command from God. Loving your neighbor, we have to have that Nike kind of love. We have to just do it. And the last one this morning is loving your neighbor requires action. Loving your neighbor requires action. It's not just enough to be concerned. It's not just enough to walk upon someone and go, oh, I'm sorry, and feel bad for them. It's not just enough to get your heart tugged, but we have to do something. As followers of Christ, as Christians, we have to get involved. It means sometimes we're going to get a little blood on our toga. We're going to get a little dirt on our kneecaps. We have to invest some of our time, some of our treasure, and we have to do whatever it takes to take care of our neighbor. Oh, that's a hard one. We have to do whatever it takes to take care of our neighbor. Just as you do for yourself. You do what it takes. You gotta go to Walmart and get those Band-Aids, you're gonna go. You got to go to CVS, get that triple antibiotic ointment. You're going. You have to do whatever it takes to take care of your neighbor, just as you do whatever it takes to take care of yourself. Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Won't you please? Be my neighbor. Give us a compassion. Give us a heart for the lost. God, that we wouldn't just see them, but we would see them. As God's working in our hearts in this moment and this morning, I want to challenge you with some things, some questions. You can't love God until you first accept his love for you. You see, God's love is an overwhelming love. It's an all-encompassing love. It's a love that goes beyond measure. It's a love that goes beyond our human understanding. And that's the kind of love we're talking about this morning that God has for you today. An overwhelming, all-encompassing love for you in this place. You can't say that you love God if we reject the love he has shown for us by giving us his son. You see, the proof that God loves you, the proof that God loves each one of us today is the payment he made, the fact that he gave. He gave it all. He gave his, what is it, one and only son for us today in this place that we might have life. We might have life everlasting. Jesus gave it all. 
Do you love God this morning with the same wholehearted love that he has shown for you? He died for you. Are you living for him today? Christians, may that word challenge us. May it stir inside of us today. Something new, something greater, to live larger, to live louder, to live more. Just stand up a little bit more today. Raise your hands just a little bit longer. Just give just a little bit more today. God is calling us to give just a little more, to love just a little more, to reach out just a little bit more. God wants to use you where you're at, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city. He wants to use you to do just a little bit more. And are you loving others? Are you caring for others? Do you have compassion for others as you are loving yourself today? Listen, we we don't even have to go anywhere to see a lost and dying world. All we got to do is pull this thing out and pull up YouTube, turn on a little bit of news, and we see it. For some of us, it's as soon as we get home, we see it across the street. And maybe it's even in, ho- in your house. We see the needs. We see the hurting. We see those that need our help. And today God is calling you. He is calling out to you. Will you see the need? Will you see the need? Will you see the need? And God wants to use you. God wants to use you today, right now. Maybe there's someone in your home. Maybe there's someone in your home today that has a need. Maybe there's someone across the street from you or in a house next to you or in the apartment next to you. Maybe it's a coworker that has a great need. They're overwhelmed with fear during these moments and in this time. Maybe there's a physical need, a financial need, a relational need, an emotional need, and you know it. You need to pray for it, and you need to help them. All moral responsibility hinges today on these two things, that we must love God and we must love people. We must love others. Listen, I know that we may not expect that kind of love from other people, but we as followers of Christ today need to show it and we need to share it. Just a moment. We're going to pray together. Just a couple of things. And Christians today, I want to pray with you that God's going to use you in ways that you never thought about. Ways that you've never dreamed about. But if you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, use me. Use me in my home. Use me in my neighborhood. Use me in my community. God will. And God wants to. If you say yes. And maybe today you're here and you have the capability to give above and beyond. You give so that others can go. Not only in the state of Missouri, not only in our nation, but all around the world. You see, there are missionaries that need those gifts of financial blessing so that they can go. And maybe you're able to do that today. Maybe you're able to give just a little bit more. 
so that others can go today. But God wants to use you in all of those capacities to love people. To love people. And maybe you're here today and you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with him. But this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to open the door up to you. And it's very simple. It's simple as an A, B, C. It's that we accept, one, God's love for us. And the fact that Jesus died on a cross for us today. Knowing that 2,000 years ago, Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could have life with him. That he would cleanse us from the darkness in our hearts, the darkness in our lives, the bad choices, the bad things that we have done. The scripture calls it sin. We accept that love today in our lives and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and we confess with our mouths that he is, that he is Lord. Romans 10, 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's a very simple prayer this morning. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads together and pray together. I'm not going to ask you to repeat the prayer, but I'm going to ask you right now to mean it in your heart. It's not about the words that I speak, but it's about the heart that you share with God right now. In this moment, let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning knowing and understanding that we can't do it on our own. We can't receive salvation, Lord, unless it's from you. We can't save ourselves. Only you can save today. And God, I realize, Lord, and I believe right now, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross, Lord, to die for our sins, to die for our bad decisions, the darkness that has us bound up inside, God. We confess with our mouths in this moment that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on a cross and that, Lord, forgive us of our sins today. Lord, and then we accept that love right now and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ and you're a Christian and in this moment you say, God, use me. Use me, God. Use me to reach my home. Use me to reach my neighbors. Use me to reach my community. Use me to reach my world today, God. Use me. I'm ready. I say yes today, Lord. I say yes today. In Jesus' name. Pray. And if you're here today and you prayed that prayer of faith and you accepted Jesus into your heart, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we're going to celebrate with you today what God has done in your life, what the miraculous salvation that you have received today. On the count of three, as you have accepted Jesus into your life and into your heart, let's praise God together. Number one, God loves you. Number two, he will never leave you. And number three, you are his child today. Hallelujah. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially 
at newvisiongrandview.com.